Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this segment of For Your Game. We're in the middle of the best tournament of the year, in my opinion. It's springtime. It's April. The Masters is back in its regular time slot. And it's time to talk about your scoring tools with one of our favorite golf instructors, K. McMahon, LPGA Hall of Fame instructor and the founder and creator of Golf 8.5. Hello, Kay. Hello. Hello, spring. Everybody's excited about spring, and especially now that the Masters is starting. That's a good indicator. So thanks for having me on, Holly. Oh, it sure is. So uh, we've already seen an amazing first day of play, Kay, and the greens are fast and firm. It is playing like a, a Masters of old. We're not going to see double digits out of these players. And already um, the Bombers, a.k.a. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, struggling yesterday. And I wanted to talk about exactly that, you know, the, the the keys to the scoring tools, okay, that's so important and that we will see uh, be, I think, the bottom line here uh, over the next few days at Augusta. So I wanted to talk about, you know, wedges and chipping and pitching and putting and, you know, when do you chip it? When do you use the flat stick? So many different um, things that I think amateur golfers uh, run into and create doubts uh, in their own game when they're out playing. Well, you're absolutely right. You see, we'll start with just the amateurs. Most amateurs will go to the range and just keep beating balls. And unfortunately, they should spend about 75% of their time probably around the putting green learning about their scoring tools because that's what really gets the ball in the hole. So you can also talk about, you know, your bombers. You know, we do have to get the ball there. But once you get the ball there, you have to get it in the hole. And so when you see um, the masters, it brings up a lot of interesting questions about the creativity in your short game from do you use your putter, do you use your wedge, do you use your 60-degree wedge, and even you and I earlier talked about you've had fun hitting a 64-degree wedge. So. I had a guy once showed up with a 72-degree wedge, which was like, okay, that's even par. But oh, it's my God, loud. a pancake flapper. <laughs> it was, and he absolutely loved it. But, um, you know, you talk about the creativity, and uh, when we start talking about short game stuff, what people do is they, they really think so much about their technique or just try to hit the ball, but they don't have a plan of what they really want to try to do. And by plan, I really mean that do I want to putt it, and if I putt it, it's going to have to go through the fringe. How hard do I have to hit it, or do I chip it? Then which club do I have to chip it with? How much, where do I want to land it? Uh, where do I, how much run do I want to have? So you want to have a plan, meaning like an airplane. You want to plan where that airplane is going to land, but it may end up at a different point in the end of the runway. Uh, so most people are not doing a plan. What that can then tell you is... If I, I might have had a good plan, but I executed it badly, or I might have had a, a good plan, a plan and I didn't execute it well, or vice versa. So the, the planning really helps. Um, but the other thing I want to say, too, is when we do our workshops or in-person lessons, is I tell people, 
that you want to go outside and practice your short game, but you want to have your stock chipping shot or your stock uh, pitching shot. But after you get that down, then you want to start to be creative and change ball position and sometimes change club face angle and just observe what you get, like hit 10 balls, and after, let's say I have an open club face and I'm playing the ball up in my stance, then just watch what the ball does, watch where it lands, and so it's kind of like biology lab. You want to do your own golf lab and just to see what you, you kind of get. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, and it was interesting because a, a guy who, uh, you know, is a past champion and I think has one of uh, the, you know, just the best short games out there and then maybe doesn't even get enough credit for it is Patrick Reed. And he was, you know, talking about uh, yesterday, um, you know, just the, the different thought process you had to go through, uh, just as you were talking about. Um, someone asked him yesterday, uh, you know, if there was going to come a time when he might lay up on some par fives. And uh, he said that he probably should have done that on 13. Um, he didn't, and he said it, quote, bit me. Uh, it's, it's one of those that it would all depend on where the pin placements are. On 15, with the pin on the front, you can't really lay up. So no one's getting that wedge shot really close. So you go for that. If it goes over the green, you're chipping back down the hill. 13 was in the back, so if you hit a good tee shot there, you have a chance to go for it. So, you know, he was saying with how firm it is, it's all pin-related. Well, you're absolutely right. And so when we talk about whole strategy overall game, you want to really think about your most important shot is the last one, not necessarily the first one. You want to think of where do I want to be hitting it on the green? Do I want to, like you say, go for it? I might end up in a very, very bad spot and then end up with a bogey or a double bogey. Or do I want to make this a three-shot hold to a par five? So it, 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 they have the advantage, too, where amateurs don't in the fact they have the pin placements, but they also know the golf course um, that they're playing. And they get to play practice rounds. Lots of times I get amateurs that say, well, I don't, I don't know the, the golf course. Fortunately, we have Google Maps, so I tell them they can get a Google Map club. But it's that shot to the green that you want to then have the best shot so that you're not hitting over a bunker, that you're placing it out there in the fairway where you have a better angle at the pin. So you want to think of it that way. So it, it, he's right. I think he also talked about, you know, as kids, um, kids who really make a lot of games, they want to hit it around a tree or they want to hit it up over the top of a bush or they want to, you know, hit it over the top of a fence or something. So that they learn to create a lot of creative shots. And one of the better, best ones, as we know, is Phil, who, used to, who comes up with all kinds of creative things. And he definitely um, analyzes the situations he's in first to the slope of the green, where he wants to land it, how high he wants to hit it, how much backspin he wants to have. So Patrick Reed does the same thing. has a very, very good short game. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he said when you get around a place like this, you have to use that creativity. You have to hit different golf shots. It's just not a basic chip ever around here. And this morning, um, I watched Justin Rose uh, use his flat stick, the putter, uh, to uh, make an approach. I think it was on the third hole or the fourth hole, and he was hitting through the fringe, and uh, that stuff must be thick and sticky, especially with maybe a little morning dew, 
okay, and he didn't get through it. He left it in the fringe, and he was smoking hot with that. <laughs> I'll bet you he was, yeah. They, they also call it, I've had a question, what's a Texas wedge? And that's exactly what the Texas wedge was, is, is you're, you're hitting your putter from off the green. But he probably, you're right, the grass was probably in the fringe thicker than he thought. Probably the grain was, he was into the grain, so the ball didn't roll as much. And for somebody at his caliber not to even get it on the green, or maybe he was a little shy and thinking that once he got it on the green, because the greens are very fast, that it was going to roll too much. So there's a lot of factors involved in that. But generally, in choosing a putter, as you probably well know, we often say that a, a good putt will get probably closer than, than a chip because it's a, it's not as dangerous. The, the club head stays closer to the ground, so it's a, it's a softer, more reliable shot. But it's also you have to judge how fast that fringe or how slow the fringe is going to be and then how fast the green is going to be. So it does take a little practice of doing that also. Well, one thing a lot of uh, viewers don't see, although with the fewer patrons – uh, this year, you get to see a little bit more of the golf course, but you know the elevation and some of the some of the fall off on the greens is you know quite severe. So you know you'll see a player take out a putter, uh, but you don't realize that you know he's he may be you know rolling it up uh, you know 30 degrees or something, and and that's just the safest shot. Um, you know I've always preferred to you know. Keep it, keep it on the ground. If you know, when in doubt, <laughs> keep it low to the ground. But how do you make those decisions, Kate? Tell my you know, listeners. You know, and 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 uh, you know, because also even um, a low scooter uh, can be played with a you know with a seven iron. I used to love to you know to use that and sort of use it like a like a putter. Um, you know, when you're off the, 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 on the fringe, is it your putter? Is it a nine iron? Um, you know, how do you make some of these, some of these choices? Well, I can ch- talk it up to, let's just say experience. And I'll, experience meaning that when you do go out there, and I, just as I started by saying you want to have a plan, you have to make a decision. They talk about core strategy. Is Strategy really means sometimes I may have a strategy of how I want to play a hole, but then I might get in a situation. So you have to assess the situation you're in and then just have a plan of what you're going to do. Now, sometimes that plan might turn out wrong. Sometimes that plan might turn out correctly. So you're starting to put that in your arsenal of experience, um, of saying, oh, okay, my putter was a good choice. I'll remember that for future reference, and then I could do it here. Or I might take my 7-iron and do that. So, But without a plan, you're not gaining anything in experience, whether it's a good choice or a bad choice. So I'm going to go right back to planning and then more experience. All right. And then we've seen Phil, the magician, the, the short game mm-hmm. magician, uh, you know, sometimes he's got four wedges in his bag. I mean, I think that's one area that you know people have really adapted, you know, in recent years. You know, it used to be we had my goodness, I remember just having a pitching wedge and a sand wedge, and uh, you know a lob wedge. Now a tack wedge. Now uh, I mentioned that the other day a friend gave me a 64 degree wedge to try because I had left my lob wedge at home, and I had a blast with that thing. Literally, I was blasting out of bunkers. I was using it to you know do those short dinky uh, chips over bunkers out of the rough. 
and it's a lot of fun. But again, even in the bunkers, now we have the choice to use a maybe a you know more open lofted club. What what do you suggest? Well, you know, you're right. When we first started playing, we only had our sand wedge and our pitching wedge. And now because greens are cut faster, slower, I mean, they're, they're, they're tighter, so they're faster. So then manufacturers came up with your 52, 56, 60-degree wedges. And now, you, like you said, you've got a 64-degree wedge. They're very useful tools, and I think that more people should actually start. I have a lot of women especially who need to get a, a graphite shaft 60-degree wedge. So, and you may want to go, depending, you may have like have five wedges, and depending on the course you play, you may take out a wedge or two or add one or two, depending on how much you have to do, you, the, the course you're playing in. But one of my um, my lower handicapped women says what she does sometimes to practice her short game, which I think is an awesome idea, is she goes back and she starts at the blue tees, way back. So that basically she's, that day on the golf course, she's actually practicing her short game or her approach shots to the green. Whereas when she's playing normally from the forward tees where she would normally play, she's not always having a chance to do this. So she's maximizing her day on the golf course by playing it way longer than she would normally play it. So she would have a chance to practice her shirking. I thought it was brilliant. I mean, we were playing a lot of different yardages, and that's why even with some of my male um, students, I say, okay, today let's go play the forward tees because now you're going to learn how to score. You're going to probably have more birdies than you did before. Then go back and play your your um, the farther back tees or even the farther back, you know the, the blue tees or whatever color we want to call the farthest ones back, because you're actually then learning how to play different shots and then you're you're doing what we first talked about is being creative. So there's many ways that you can still practice while you're playing golf. So play the forward tees, play the middle tees, play the back tees. Everybody, I love <laughs> Mix it. Mix it up. That's a great suggestion. And um, and Kay, you've been doing these fantastic. Uh, webinars online. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, you have a very simple approach to the golf swing. It's called Golf 8.5, literally uh, four things you do in your setup and only four and a half swing thoughts. Four and a half, that's it, not a thousand, four and a half. And um, you've got a, a new one that you've got going right now. Share with my listeners uh, because it sounds very, very interesting. Well, we've got a, some low handicappers all the way to some uh, new, new, less experienced players, and it's called Evaluate and Elevate Your Game. Now, it's a five-week course. We're actually doing the second phase of the five-week course, meaning they, they had such great success in the first one, we're doing this again. And what we've really done is given them ways to evaluate their games. That's all the way from the two handicapper all the way to the beginning golfer. Um, and the feedback I'm getting is they go, I'm learning so much in the off season. I'm learning so much from these webinars. It's unbelievable. You know, I don't, I have, I'm not actually doing hands-on, but they keep coming back for more, and we give them a um, way to analyze their games, and so then they know the areas that they should focus on to work on, as opposed to just saying my score is 95 or my score was 75. But my people that are shooting 75 want to work on their short game. But what about your short game? How far are you from the hole? Is it your putting? Is it your chipping? Which part is it? So it's really been fun. We've had great feedback. And then what I do is I pair them up. So everybody has a practice buddy. So they're accountable to somebody else other than just me or themselves. And they, the pairings have been absolutely fabulous. They've made great friendships. And they're actually <laughs> getting all better in their, in their game. Their handicaps are coming down. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely love it, the buddy system. It, and you do. You learn as much. I've been in some of your some of your workshops. You learn as much being the observer as you do uh, being the one that uh, is actually uh, practicing. So it's it's really a, a great um, great way you go about uh, instruction with your students. And I wanted to also mention that every Friday, every Friday from 9 until 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, Kay does a free online uh, Zoom call. And uh, Kay, if they want to sign up uh, so they can participate, it's a fantastic group. And you get a chance to ask Kay questions and also hear uh, tips from a variety of other players and situations they get in on the course. And I've learned a ton from those sessions, Kay. Yeah, they're, they're fun. I learn a ton from those sessions, too. I learn what people want to know and that they're really sharing. So it's very easy. Yeah, it's Q&A with Kay on Friday mornings. And to, to get the, the link for the Zoom call, we just ask you to email me. You can go to my website also, which is Education Golf. But the, my email address is K-A-Y, my name, at educationgolf.com. But you have to put that spelled E-D-U-K-A-Y-T-I-O-N, golf.com. Just indicate that you want to get the link, and I send you the link that way. So uh, alert to all my listeners here. Kay McMahon, one of the four elite LPGA instructors, Hall of Fame instructor. This is an opportunity to sit in with one of the best of the best in our game. By the way, she's also a PGA member, and, you know, you can't get any bigger than Kay McMahon. And Kay, we always appreciate your time. I so appreciate all I've learned from you. And I recommend to my listeners, check out her website, edukaytiongolf.com. Okay, thank you so much, and we look forward to chatting with you soon. Thank you very much, Holly. You have a great day, and remember, as I always say, keep your head up. The scores will come down.